The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast, those who you are listening at least through the podcast, and I welcome all of our local listeners here. Under this category, we're hoping for three things. The first thing we're hoping for is that the Lord would address issues regarding the enemy's deception about how he attempts to steal, to be this thief, to steal the foundational principles and elements needed for an indwelt believer to understand their identity in Christ. That's number one. Number two thing that we are hoping gets accomplished out of this is that it becomes a global, passionate message that people want to forward and make use of to help others understand who they are in Christ and how the enemy is attempting to steal their foundation. And then number three, that there will actually be other mini-series that will be birthed from what we are doing with the Identity Theft series. For example, tonight we are integrating in a campaign that a couple ministries are using that we have put together. Basically, uh, I'll give you the title we've given it right now. But it is Millennials, A New Kind of Christianity. And then the subtitle is Exchanged Life versus the Millennial Christianity. Now, what that means basically is that we are colliding in this present time, this present moment. We are colliding with two cultures. Now, a lot of sociologists would basically say, no, we have cultures colliding all over the world. That is really not true. There are only two primary cultures. There's the culture of the living God, and there's the culture of the living devil. And there will be subcategories under each of those, like under under a culture of the living God, we have denominations, we have non-denominational churches, we have, you know, a billion and a half ministries, and the list goes on. Now, under the category of Satan, you would find, you know, probably a longer list. But we got to stick to this whole issue of two basic cultures colliding. If you remember, our foundational statement 
for this series is identity is the doorway to your earthly destiny and for all of us our eternal destiny. Identity is the key to the decisions that you make, the actions that you will carry out, and ultimately it reveals the confession of who your God really is. I got a statement this week from someone in the uh, Tennessee area that talked about the Millennial Jesus. Now I've been researching for a lot of years. I've never heard that before. Well I went and did a little research on it and it is absolutely everywhere. And I thought, how did this slip by me? And I know I'm not, you know, significant enough to, you know, think I could have, you know, understanding of knowledge and movements and trends all over the world because our brains can only find so much, believe so much, and house so much data. But that one slipped by me. The Millennial Jesus. So I started to research the different things that I found on the internet in regard to this millennial Jesus and I was absolutely shocked spiritually actually angered spiritually to what the millennial generation is turning our Jesus into most of the sites that I went to that were using the terms we're referring to Jesus as a bisexual. Many of them outright saying he was homosexual. I found stuff of him having sex with Mary Magdalene and having a child at a wedlock and that his bloodline is still running through this earth someplace, somewhere, somehow. To those that did, don't even believe that he was a real person, that he was what the individuals formed him to be in their own mind. And that was the most common belief. Jesus is what you make him. Well, that really put some fire to our foundational statement for this series. Since Jesus supposedly is God, now we here and many of our listeners believe that Jesus is God. He's also the Son of God. So he is a son, a child, and he has a father. And at the same time, the fact that that seed of a perfect father is what formed him and the heavenly father poured his spirit into Jesus, it made Jesus God. Oh, the millennial generation does not necessarily believe that. So we welcome each of you to our Identity Theft Series. There are lots of topics we are going to have to talk about in 2017. Lots of topics. There's lots of very small, twisted ideologies that are out there about our husband, Jesus. 
about the Son of God. One of the pictures that was on one of the websites that I had to look at to gather a lot of the buzzwords and phrases they were using was Jesus with horns on. That's just sick to me. That the blending, the merging of Satan and Jesus are almost perfect in this present culture is what these people were saying. Well, one, Satan doesn't have horns. He doesn't look like the image that we normally portray him to be to sell costumes on Halloween with a red tail with a pitched fork and the horns and you know the look. But that's what they're basically trying to communicate is there's a merging. There's a merging of the brothers finally. See, what religion believes that? Mormonism. And when these two merge and become one person, one being, one God, there will become unity and peace throughout the whole universe. Hmm. Could there be something bigger behind Satan using the millennials in this generation than we have thought about before? Good chance of it. So the identity theft uses the millennial generation to pervert our children. Now, my guess is that there are many rural listeners right now, probably a lot of them in a different country, who have no clue what I'm talking about. Have not heard of the Generation Y have not heard of the term hipsters, have not heard of the term millennial generation, have not heard of the term, you know, echo boomers, have not heard these terms mentioned before. But if you do a little bit of research, which I would caution you to do that, because they're very graphic in their communication about religion. Very hateful of the standard traditional church. We are, we are in this, this middle of this cultural crash in a, here in America, and a lot of people don't even know that. They just know, well, we got this new president, and boy, he's making decisions that's just messing us up. There is a cultural crash happening. He has basically adopted the traditional Christian values as his own and as a part of his platform, and he's rushing into government and this already pre-established culture, the millennial generation, were sitting there doing whatever it is they do every day. And, the, and this, this traditional culture, which is a whole lot older than anything that the new millennial uh, people could ever dream up on their own, the traditional culture of Christianity has been around a very long time. So what that 
that does is it creates a question in my mind, and that is, if you have this aged old grandpa religion called Christianity and Hebrew or Jewish, and you have this new culture that is, I'll make Jesus anything I want him to be. And there is a, a cultural crash you're going to read about on the news tomorrow. And then the next day, we have to ask ourselves who's going to win. Tradition? Or this newly created religion called social justice? Social gospel? When you see picket signs, read them. If you hear of a Christian group out there picketing Planned Parenthood or blah, 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 read the sign and see if it says Jesus Christ on there. If it does not, they are using a platform as Christians to do something Christian that is nothing more than a retwisted, customized version of Generation Y. They're not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're proclaiming social justice. The rights of human life. No. The rights of Jesus Christ is a great place to start. And if he doesn't want us slaughtering children, I think he'll probably let us know. See, we didn't have to pick it back in 1940. We didn't have to pick it the importance of Jesus and what he believes. Something happened that created this collide on the mall. I think we should talk about it. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12 through 17. Here's basically how I see this as a researcher, a resident theologian. It means I don't have a degree in it. And as just a believer. I observed over the past eight years a president set the stage for the millennial generation. He released people in their individualism of religion. Now the president before that one had this thing called the faith-based initiative. I believe that that particular president was used by God to Awaken the spirituality on both sides. I sat at tables in Washington, D.C., in fact, led meetings in Washington, D.C., where there were religions from all over the world sat around that table, the big boys, the leaders of these religions. That was the faith-based initiative. We really couldn't say, Christianity is the best here, don't you all know that? So that particular presidency woke up the entire nation and said, 
all of you, and no matter what you believe, is important. Bring it to the table. Okay? That was the faith-based initiative. This next president, who served eight years, realized the impact that the last president made on waking up the religious thought. Realized that that could activate traditional and conventional Christianity for, for hundreds of years earlier. Tradition always wins. If you don't believe me, check Christmas out. It always wins. There's always some opposers, resistors to that tradition and try to get rid of the Christ out of Christmas and just have Mass. Well, that's religious too, so let's get rid of... Oh, get rid of the whole word. Let's just go to Holy Day. Holy Day. Oh, no, that won't work. Let's come up with... And that's what a lot of them do, but the fact is you can't fight tradition. So if that's true, sociologically, if it's true, that next president had to stabilize the army, the liberal army of believers of the millennial generation. And he did. We have complained through the eight years. We couldn't believe what we were hearing. We couldn't believe the Malcolm X thing got got put into cement. Chrislam, Christianity and Muslim together is one religion. Why? Because we had a president claiming to have a born-again experience and that he's Muslim. Emergence. Emergence. Anytime you have two religions come together and start feeling comfortable with each other, you can add as many as you want after that. Thousands. And that's what he realized. So he literally recruited this massive army of of liberal believers, both in religion and politics, and got them set. And so another candidate comes in and realizes exactly what I'm telling you. There's usually a strategy in how to get at an army that's already been put in place, and that is you take every single one of their beliefs. It's what we're doing in 2017 with this miniseries. Every single one of their beliefs, you have them confess it out of their mouths, you write it down, and you put a strategy together to make them mad. So that all they're doing is talking about you, and so you, the negative publicity will literally advance your positive initiations and incentives to become a greater nation. And it's working. I don't care if you agree with his decisions or not. It's working. In three weeks, we've become more powerful in the world than the last 
four that we've had, it does work. See, it's two cultures colliding. One was brilliant in putting together a plan to cause the collision. And he was ready for the resistance and the ramification of the collide. And a lot of the people who were hanging out in that liberal army weren't prepared. So they're just angry, setting churches on fire and shooting innocent people and stuff that these peace-loving, peace-carrying, love, love, love signs are killing people now. So we have a real situation on our hands. Now if you just try to bring what all of what I've shared with you into the church, Pastor, some of you who have large churches, you know you have this political war and religious war in your own house. Well, I'll tell you how the enemy probably reads this passage. So listen very carefully. All I did was took the principles in the verse and just wrote them backwards. That's how I figure how the enemy probably comes against us. He probably would read it this way. Indeed, all who desire to live a self-centered life in and of themselves will be shamed by the traditional church, Christian church. Please consider them haters and imposters of true unity and the universal church. They will only go from bad to worse as I unfold my one world unity and will attempt to deceive you with their one way, one truth, and one life stuff. You, however, Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, me. Always remember that from your childhood, you have known the writings I provided for you that were to make you love yourself and feel good. It is a kind of human wisdom that leads to salvation per your own individual beliefs. Which is in me as well. Remember, never buy into the traditional Christian scriptures that claim to be inspired by God. They are not. Man wrote them and science proves it. They will tell you that these Scriptures are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But I say to you, these words are hurtful, condemning, and narrow-minded. Remember to follow what your heart tells you to do and believe. Your experience and feelings are your true guide to life and are rarely wrong. You know, that is basically the summary I was able to write after all this research on the millennial generation. And here's, here's the thing that's a little bit, no, it's a lot of bit challenging for us. 
You cannot confront a millennial believer because they are so indoctrinated by liberalism. I will be my self-centered life. I will choose my religion. In fact, I'll make it myself. I will decide what Jesus is, who he is, how he functions, where he lives, how long he lives, if he lives. I'll decide that. Who does this sound like, listener? You guys are nothing more than puppets. Now, Jesus Christ is a puppet. I want to be with him and his group. And that's the one thing that the world doesn't want to be associated with is being a puppet for some leader. Really? Check the news, liberals. You're just being a puppet for your leaders who have, are supporting your lifestyle. But see, Jesus said this, listener. Whatever you hear me say, it is not I who says it, but it is my Father. Father. Oh, so the Father puts his words in Jesus' mouth and then he says it? That's a yes. It's called the indwelling Father. Then he said, whatever you see me do, it is not I who does it, but it is my Father who is doing it through me. Well, Jesus used some kind of weak, God? See, this here defines a strong God. I will decide that. I will know who God is. I will... Yeah, I, I can kind of hear two voices echoing in this. The person saying it with the picket sign and another voice behind them. Satan hates Jesus Christ. He wants him dead. But he can't die. That's the problem. The guy just won't die. They've tried everything they knew how. The guy won't die. Well, Satan is stupid. He's brilliant. But he's stupid. See, stupidity has nothing to do with knowledge. It has everything to do with not being able to appropriate truth. So stupid people are brilliant, usually, but they cannot appropriate truth. That's why when you throw a piece of truth at a liberal... If you're on a talk show with them and whatever, which I've done that kind of thing, they don't know what to do with you. But if you want to argue over science and argue over proof in the pudding or whatever, they can talk all day long. So that probably tells us where the answer is. We have a problem. Okay, I'm just going to throw out a few quotes that we gathered this week from actual millennial generation people that are attending a conservative church. 
Number one, they would say, and did, I don't see much of a difference between playing church versus functioning as the church. And then I added the body of Christ. They don't see much of a difference. Playing church is getting into the music. Playing church is having a pep rally when the pastor said something that you thought was pretty cool. The old church, you just go, Amen! And nowadays, it's cheering. Sometimes jumping, and it's, it's almost like you're at a concert. Maybe we are. Two, I believe in the blending of religious thought. Or that multiple paths can lead the seeker to the same God. Really? Remember the interview I told you about quite a while back where I had to interview a world-known religious leader for my uh, doctorate project through Oxford? And the Lord blessed me. I mean, I wasn't even hunting for this person. I ended up being blessed Flying in first class, can't even remember where I was going, but I was flying in first class and there was this gal sitting next to me. She happened to be in charge of the entire medical division of the Hindu religion. And we had this discussion about multiple paths leading to the same God. (coughs) This stinky thinking has been around for a very long time. It's just the enemy is merging it in. It's the it's finally pliable now that you can you can blend it in. Whereas fifteen years ago it would not have blended at all. Christians would have stood up in the streets and saying, That is ridiculous. And I do not want you speaking of that in the church. And now a lot of churches today are running support groups for these kinds of thoughts. You have to get through all 12 steps before you're free, and so forth, and so on. That's, it's, just, it's just all a part of the structure, the internal structure, that is now infrastructure for the church. It's the highway system. How you get around in the church? Oh, what's your problem? Well, I'm, I'm homosexual. Oh, we have a group for that. And they'll love on you, believe me. They're not going to say you're wrong or whatever. But just just contact Freddie and he'll make sure you get in the group and get taken care of. Yes, that exists. It's the ways the techniques the churches are using not to have to address it from the pulpit. They're sending them to support groups. A lot of times these support groups are led by other secondary religious groups that come in and use the church. That's a problem. Number three, I believe that a person who has, who has not asked Christ Jesus into their lives can go to heaven as long as they pass. And the good person checklist is what I added. But the way it was phrased was as long as a person is a decent person. Okay. 
See, therefore, you can speak to the majority of believers that are inside the church that, that think like this. If you walked up to one of them and said, uh, I'm just curious about something. Have you ever really asked Christ to come into your life and become born again and actually have the life of Christ living inside you now so that you don't go to hell? You got that? Your name would end up on a complaint list to the elders or deacons or pastor of that church of being hurtful, hate crime, freak, whatever, whatever label like the scripture actually says, you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. The collide is happening in our churches and in our nation. Finally, we're going to do some of these every single week because we have a very long list we pulled together. Finally, the one last one we're going to cover tonight is I support the idea that today's church needs a new kind of Christianity. Of course, that is actually from a title of a book. And the gentleman or group who put the book together, um, well, it would just make you sick. It's the kind of thing that if you, once you start reading, you, you think, all I was able to do is comb over preview pages. It's the kind of thing you start reading and go, I shouldn't be reading this. It's so bad. It's so blasphemy. To actually, the conclusion is, if we need a new kind of Christianity, stay with me, listener. Some of you, according to the surveys done by these websites, some of you are in love with this book. Some of you have literally formed your churches around the concepts in this book that we need a new kind of Christianity for the millennium. So here's the conclusion, logically. You don't have to have Christ's mind in you to come to this conclusion. If, if the statement to arouse rebellion is, we need a new kind of Christianity, what are we really saying? We need a new Jesus. And that's when the millennial Jesus saying, I took that puzzle piece that was laying there on my desk and I just put it in and went, oh my goodness, this is a perfect fit. A new kind of Christianity demands a new kind of Jesus. The, the millennial Jesus movement is all separated, all on its own, fast growing like a cancer. And it fits perfectly into this group that is pushing church leadership for a new kind of Christianity. It's enough to make you physically sick.
You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.